beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, and everything in between, oh, God. Lord, we just thank you, oh, God, for all of Hallelujah. the praise reports that have gone out before you, oh, God. Your angels, Hallelujah. and you are rejoicing, oh, God, in everything that you do, oh, God. And, Lord, we thank you, oh, God. Lord, we just ask, oh, God, that you be with us today, oh, God, that you be in this message, oh, God, that you will anoint and you will bless your, your mouthpiece, oh, God, that you will bless Hallelujah. our leader this morning, oh, God, that he will not be distracted this morning, oh, God, that he will hear you, that he will be led by the Holy Spirit to be able to speak with us, says the Lord. Lord, we just thank you, oh, God, for this ministry, oh, God. We thank you, oh, God, for how you have been blessing it, oh, God. We thank you for the people that you have been sending to partner in it, oh, God. We thank you, oh, God, for how you have been blessing, oh, God, the people that are attached to it, oh, God, how you are blessing and reforming the inmates, oh, God, how you are blessing the, the caregivers, oh, God, and blessing the children, oh, God. Lord, we just thank you, oh, God, for the mighty work that you are doing, oh, God. We thank you for every vessel, oh, God, every person that is uh, that volunteers their time, oh, God, their labor, oh, God, to be the hands and feet of you, oh, God. Lord, we thank you, oh, God, for what, they, what you are doing and how you are using them, oh, God. Lord, we ask that you will continue to anoint us, oh, God, from the top of our heads to the sole of our feet as we follow you and we seek your bloodstained footsteps, oh, God. Let this word be today a game changer in our lives, oh, God. Let us forever not be the same after we have sucked on it, chewed on it, marinated on it, oh, Lord. Let it be food for our souls, oh, God. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God and amen. 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 The presence of the Lord rests on the testimonies of his people. It's it's like a how we glorify God, right? There's something that as Ms. Katina was praying, God was reminding me that you know, about a week ago we raised a request to the to the saints about a girl in Columbia, South Carolina how we needed to pay for her fees, uh, the rental and everything. And we needed about like a $7,500, right? And we put like a two weeks notice to say like, you know, we'll have that money, you know. And uh, a week has gone by this morning. I'm here to tell you about $5,000 out of the 7500 was raised so far. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. You know. And, uh, and the thing is that uh, it's not like, a, you know, a large check. It's like the people putting in like a $200, $100, $20. Mm-hmm. It's not the money alone that is just going into, but the hands of the things that have actually yes. gone to work. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And they did some hard work to earn that money. And that right. money is being transferred into her life as a, yes. a goodness to this baby girl, yes. right? And so there's so much of blessing that is going, not just the money that's going into her. Somebody would have prayed before sending that money. Yeah, yes. You know, Absolutely. someone would have said like, ah, I'm going to take care of this baby girl. You know, mm-hmm. so praise God for that. Yeah. Uh, with that said, I would like for, you, for us to go to Exodus chapter 38 this morning. Exodus 38. Mute this the conference has been muted. And the thing is, we have started this journey on the first week of February. We were just like a traveling through the the Holy of Holies. We saw the uh, Ark of the Covenant. We saw the Mercy Seat, and then we came out of the Holy of Holies. That was the innermost room, right? to the holy place, which is the second room in the tabernacle, we have seen the three furnishings in that area, which is the altar of incense. And then we saw already the table for the showbread and the, the lamp stand that was there, the light, um, you know. And now we are coming out of the holy place into this outer court, which is where people would come. There is all kinds of people. There's very few that can go beyond this point. Everybody is here, but very few 
would go beyond this point into holy place and the holy of holies either the the priest will go and then the high priest will go to the holy of holies and there is a veil and then we will come back and talk about the veil and how it split and so on and so forth but this morning we are all like if you close your eyes and just like imagine yourself take yourself to travel yourself in time to this place 2000 3000 years ago where the children of israel if you transport yourself this morning into this outer court and you just like open your eyes and you see like a people all over the place and there is like a people standing in the line with their animals to be sacrificed you have like a the priest washing their hands and the, there are people all over this room right and the very first thing that we see in that place is called a brazen altar brazen altar that's what we're going to be studying on this morning we actually started a little bit on the good friday we touched on it we touched on some of the things that were happening in this place and today morning we're going to talk about a very specific piece of that puzzle within that brazen altar so exodus chapter 38 verses 1 through 7 the same thing also exists in exodus 27 1 through 8 as well so i picked one of the two he made the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood the thing is this acacia wood we've talked several times many of the instruments or the furnishings that were made in the holy place and the holy of holies were all made out of acacia wood but there is something significant about this acacia wood because it is it is a bush it is like a bush that grows in the desert but here is the most important thing the leaves not only have just or uh, the leaves on those bushes but it also has a long pointy nail look like a, a you know needles that were coming out just like a how in the rose rose plant you have like a small small pointy needly things that 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 you even this acacia wood had this long nail kind of pointy uh things coming out of it is exactly what the romans used to make the crown for jesus it came from acacia wood right and god is saying build this altar using acacia wood five cubits was its length and five cubits its width and it was square every other instrument inside the furnishings and everything in the inside the holy place and holy of holies is in a rectangular shape except for the altar of in, uh, the 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 burnt offering for uh, brazen lay, lay, uh, altar right and it is overlaid with the bronze while other furnishings inside the holy place and holy of holies were made out of gold or like a overlaid with gold but here is a bronze because a bronze signifies the judgment of god he made all the utensils of altar the pans the shovels the basins the fork and the fire pans and all its utensils he made uh, of bronze and in 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 the days of um Moses they're also believing it's made out of copper or a bronze and he made a grate of bronze network uh for the altar under its rim midway from the bottom he cast four rings for the four corners of this bronze grating 
as a holder for poles because they were traveling that 40 years in the desert. So everything is like a setup for uh, mobility. And he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with the bronze. Then he put the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar with which to bear it. He made the altar hollow with boards. So the, the, this is all the description that we have. But, you know, there are so many other places that we find some additional description to what exactly happens at the brazen altar. The first thing that we need to also remember is that this tabernacle, which is uh, in the middle of their camp all the time, the, 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 the different tribes, they had their tents all over, but the tabernacle was always in the center of it. But the gates of that tabernacle was always on the eastern side, right? There were so many references on why God told them to leave it in the eastern side because in Matthew chapter 24, verses 27, it says, just as the lightnings come from the east and the flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. So when the Son of God raises up and the second time he's going to come from the east. The gates in the east is a, is a significant location, geolocation, because the Son of God is going to come from the east. And you can tell in so many ways, even when Daniel was praying, right, they were praying towards the east. And the reason why is also, from the very beginning, there is... There is something about the east where the, the Garden of Eden was on the east. And so God just like a place, this one gate, only one gate through which they can enter into the tabernacle, and that gate happened to be in the east. And this furniture that they are talking about, this brazen altar, is also one of the largest uh, furniture in the entire tabernacle, right? Now, what we saw the other day, uh, on the day when we were celebrating the Good Friday, we actually touched a few pieces, so I'm going to touch uh, on those, and then we will get into today's um, piece. Leviticus chapter 4, verses 33 and 34 says, Then he... The, the high priest shall lay his hands on the head. Oh, sorry. This one, like a, there is like an offering that is being made. Before that offering, whatever the animal is, this is like, a, you know, I'm talking about the priest, but anyone that is coming through, before they make their offering, they need to lay their hands on the head of their sin offering. The sin offering may be a ram, maybe a goat, maybe a, a turtle dove, depending on how much they can afford. They actually put their hand on the head of their sin offering and kill it as a sin offering at the place where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering in his fingers Put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour all of the remaining blood at the base of the altar. And the, and the thing is, it sounds all very cruel, but in a few minutes we're going to see why God would allow something like this. What is so significant about this? That's what we're going to see today. There are three significant pieces of this blood that is poured under the uh, altar. Why? Why is God allowing them to cut an animal, right? I want you to go 
to Isaiah chapter 59, verses 2 and 3. Why? Because God is a judge, justful God. And he wants the justice to be true. And he wants to make sure you and I will have a rightful road to the eternal life. But before we go deal with the eternal life, God wants to deal with us. God wants to deal with our heart first, right? And so here, the Bible says in Isaiah 59, verses 2 and 3, For your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. What is important about this whole offering that the people were making all stems from this thought that when we do something that is an act of sin in our life, that thing that we have done, that thing that we have said to somebody, that thing that came out of our hands that is not correct, not only that it is affecting the person that we have done some damage to, but also it separates us from God and his face is hidden and that he will not hear our prayers. And your hands is defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity and your lips have spoken lies and your tongue has murdered perversity. So here, all of these things God wants to address in the lives of every one of us, right? He is giving a pathway for us to get this thing right. And so what the, the worshipers were doing is that they would come, bring their offering, they would put their hand on that animal, and they would confess their sins in, the front, in front of the priest and the animal will be cut and put into this brazen altar. And it is about like the time the priest would come out and say, tell us, Ty, it is finished. What you did is complete. In fact, they, they were doing this on the Day of Atonement. Once a year, the high priest would even take the blood for, of the animal that, that was just like a spotless, in right age, there's nothing wrong with that animal. This is just the pure offering that they were making. And they would walk into the Holy of Holies and pour it in the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement. And they were repeating it year after year. So when Jesus went to the cross, he wanted to put an end to it. In fact, he was talking about it, but the disciples didn't understand. And sometimes I don't know whether we even understand the magnitude of what Christ was talking about the day before he was crucified. So we're going to spend a little bit of time there. Father God, I just ask that you will just like to open our eyes this morning to see what you see, Father God. Give us the clarity to see and hear what you want us to hear this morning, Father. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 28. This is a verse that we've always heard so many times. This has been preached. This has been used during the time of communion. But all this happened the night before Jesus was crucified, right? He says, as they were eating, verse 26, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of new covenant, which is shed for the many for the remissions of sin. Jesus, as he was sitting down at the Passover meal, it was the evening, he, it was just a time that the Jewish people had this cult, uh, you, you know, tradition during the Passover to remember exactly what happened in Egypt when Pharaoh was not releasing the, the children 
of Israel from Egypt. God sent several plagues, and uh, the, 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 the Pharaoh, the, the king of this nation, was still not agreeing to let go until the one last straw that broke his uh, you know, will was the firstborn of everyone in Egypt was killed. But before that happened, God actually sent a message to the children of Israel to put the blood of the lamp on the doorpost of their house. Take an unblemished lamp. You don't need to go to the tabernacle, but stay where you are because this was the pre-tabernacle instruction time. And God was telling his people to take an unblemished blood of a lamp and put it on the doorpost. And when the death angel comes by in the night, sees the blood on the doorpost, and the angel will pass over that house. That was the Passover Jesus was celebrating with his disciples. But at this time, God was saying, this sacrifice that you are actually being part of, that you're remembering, you're doing it like a religion, you're doing it like a ritual, you haven't really understood what that means, but you're still doing it because your fathers did it. You did that because your father's fathers were doing it. You're doing it because Moses told you in Torah. You didn't really understand what it was signifying. Let me explain this, says the Lord. And he says that there is something that God was doing that very night and these people did not understand. What God was doing for them was to save their lives. The millions of lives were saved that night because there was a blood on the doorpost of their house. Today, morning, that good news is what God is telling you and me, that when he went to the cross, it wasn't just like he died for our sins, but also the good news is that that blood is available and is posted on the doorpost of every house. Your house and my house is protected because there is a blood in the doorpost of our house. The, the power in that blood is that there is, a, there is a separation that we have and, and it's only available to the body of Christ. This is not available for everyone. His blood is not available for everyone. His blood is available for his body of Christ first. And it is for the people of faith that lived inside the house and never came out because they knew under the blood they had the protection. And it is for the people of faith. When that lady that was sick for 12 years went through the crowd and went and pushed through the crowd and pushed and pushed and pushed to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. What she was thinking to herself, if only I can touch the, a small piece of that garment, I would be healed. That was a life of faith that the woman was showing. But the same dress was touched several times after A week later, several people touched it, including the soldiers were just like throwing his dress over each other and just trying to see who would get it. They would put a lot on it. They would touch everywhere, but none of them got healed. Why? Because they were not touching that cloth in faith. That's why no miracle happened for them while this woman just needed a small piece of that cloth for her sickness to be cured. When applying the blood of Jesus on our doorpost, it removes the access for the enemy. The devil cannot stand when he sees the blood of Jesus over your life and my life and the doorpost of our house because it breaks the stronghold. No weapon formed against it against us will prosper. When you put the blood on the doorpost of your life, there is power that is being restored. This morning, 
That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what is up with this blood? Why wasn't God talking about that, referring to himself as water being used? Because in our body, we have both the blood and the water, but he's not referring to the water, but he's referring only to the blood. When you cut off that animal, that animal is not only sharing the blood, but also water is there mixed with the blood. But God's not referring to the water. And so I started to, I wanted to get to the blood part first, right? Why this blood, God? What is your obsession with the blood? What is so, so important? Is it because it's red? No. I went, when I was researching this area, I found out the blood is so important for our lives that our life depends on it. We cannot live without blood in our body. We'll come to Jesus' blood in a minute, but first let's look at the blood, right? The heart pumps the blood to all parts of our body and brings them oxygen and food. And this blood carries all the substances that we don't need to the place where it needs to be shed out. The blood fights the infection and diseases and keeps our body temperatures the same and carries chemicals that controls the body's function from one place to the other. When brain sends a message, the blood carries them to the heart. It supplies oxygen to the brain and other organs. It's what makes our body work. It also promotes the healthier skin and the health of each of these cells within our body. It helps the, the digested food and oxygen and supplies into the various parts, the kidney and the liver and, and, the, and the hands and the legs. This is, has to be moving. And, and the thing that just like a, when I was reading about this, what just like, a, you, you know, stuck very hard for me was when my daughter was two and a half years old, she had this disease called emphysema where she had like a phlegm in her lungs and just like a spilled all over her body. And they took inside and removed all the phlegm. And when they brought her out of the surgery, they were keeping her in a room where she wasn't breathing. If you and I were not breathing, then we are considered dead. But at that point in time, they did not consider her dead because the blood in her body was still moving. They would, they would take that blood count and the, and the blood, um, you, you know, life of that blood every 30 minutes to find out that she's alive. They put her on artificial breathing. They can put like artificial air through her nose to keep the, the air going. But if the blood is not moving, that's when we are dead. Right? Now, let's see. This blood is what was shed on the cross, right? This is not something that God was taking it light. Now, this blood that gives us life, right, is there. That life is there on the goat, and the goat has the same, you know, blood running. Their blood also has the same function as the humans, right? When they put their hand upon that lamp and that lamp was cut, that blood was thrown under the altar, right? It was actually a life exchanged for a guilt. And those men, when they put their hands upon that lamp, they, would, they were transferring and the, the atonements were made on their behalf, some other lamp was just getting cut on their behalf. If, 
if God had to punish, he should be taking the life of that man that's putting hand on that lamb. They're transferring their guilt today. God wants to put an end to that one. And that's why he's saying, put your hand upon my son's head and let him take care of what needs to be taken care of for you. Now, here's the thing. I have like a 24 verses. I'm going to run a little bit quicker on different places of the word that's talking about the blood. You've heard this song. There is power. There is power. There is wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And this, this song is so beautiful in, in my language. Wallamai undu, undu arpuda wallamai esuvin ratatal wallamai undu, undu arpuda wallamai esu kristuvin ratatina. There is power in the blood, right? And that power in the blood just like it goes through you and me and does something on our behalf. When the Leviticus book was written in the 7th century BC, today we have like so many signs and wonders can do with their study, but in the 7th century BC, when the book of Leviticus was written, it says for the life, verse Leviticus 17:11 says, "For the life of a creature is in the blood. I have given it to you to make atonement for yourself on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So God has already decided that one thing that I would accept in replacement for yours is the blood, right? And why is that? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 28, that my debt is paid once and for all. That Christ was offered once to bear the sins of the many. Romans 5, 9 says, I'm justified. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What God is saying is I'm forgiven. I have been reclaimed from the hands of the enemy and I have been gained this unmerited favor of God to be applied on the doorpost of my house. Romans 5, 9 says, I'm spared from God's wrath more, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 4 says, I am spiritually healed. One day, even my flesh will be replaced with an incorruptible body, but today I'm spiritually healed. That's what he did when he bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we have died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripe you are healed. There is a physical sickness, there is an emotional sickness, and there is a generational sickness, and all of that were healed when he went to the cross and put it upon your doorpost and my doorpost. Romans, um, John 6.53 says that I am spiritually alive because now that my sins and debts are paid, now that my my, my Place with God is set to right. I am forgiven, given access to something that I've never had access to. Now I'm spiritually alive. That's what John 6.53 says. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, this is what Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. All this Jesus was saying, even before the night he was sitting down and talking, he, was being, he has been talking about this all throughout his journey. We were missing these pieces while he was preaching. He was talking about it all along. Isaiah 53, 5 says, My judgment has been satisfied. I am in peace with God. The verse says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. 1 John 1, 7 says, I'm cleansed. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. It is a continuous action every single day. We get drenched with his cleansing power. Revelations 12:11 says, I have power to overcome the enemy and claim my total victory. If you are going through this morning a struggle in your life because of an addiction or because of a lack of resources, because of your family going through a tough time, know that the blood that is on the doorpost has given access to the God of this universe who has already overcome this enemy and claimed the victory and has the keys to the gates of hell and nobody can prevail against the power. And that's why Revelations 12, 11 says, they, he's talking about you and me, they overcame him, the enemy, the Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. And the words of the testimony, they loved not their lives unto the death because they know that there is a victory. They here is you and me. They here refers to everyone in this line. They here refers to everyone who gave their life to Christ. They here refer- represents the church that stands for. Today we have a church that's weak and not knowing their power because they all have this blood on the doorpost of their house. Galatians 3.13 says, I'm no longer under the curse of the law. That's it. There is law written that was written all over the book of Leviticus and what we should and do, should not be doing. But God says, I've abolished all of that. Here's the thing. There were nine covenants that were written before the covenant that Jesus was talking about the night before, the new covenant with the blood that he was talking about, right? That new covenant that he was talking about with the blood, right, is, is, is abolishing the nine covenants that came before that point. The old covenants that were written in the Old Testament required the killing of an animal on a regular basis. The old covenant required rules and laws to be managed and maintained. The old covenant required a physical obedience. And God says, I'm done with all the external stuff. Let me deal with your heart. Let me deal with the matters of what the kingdom requires. Don't take pride in, in what you have done. But instead, stay under the new covenant because the old com- covenant have to be communicated to God through a priest. But now you and I have a direct line to him. We understand the power of the blood, the purity of the blood. We understand the purpose of the blood. We understand the protection of the blood. This nobody can comprehend but the body of Christ. Right? And God is saying, 
I've actually given you all of these things. In fact, there is a, a place in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. When you get a chance, I want you to look at this verse and meditate on this verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It says, if I can condense that verse, it says, I'm no longer stranger to the covenant of promise. God says you are not a stranger from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been bought, brought near the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what Ephesians 2 and 3 says. Colossians 2.15 says, I've been moved from the enemy's kingdom into the kingdom of God. He has disarmed the principalities and the powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Jesus made a public shame of this enemy. That's why he says it is finished. He was just like showing his finger towards the enemy and saying, you're done. Your days are over. I have finished what my father has called me to do. And my blood still speaks. If the the, uh, blood of the Abel is still talking, how much more the king of kings and the Lord of lords blood is going to be talking, right? It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 21, I've been declared righteous. You know, what is so beautiful, it says like we've become righteousness of God. When God sees you and me through the blood that is in the middle, he says, oh, that's the, the righteousness that has been walking all along. And the verse in in Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25 says, I've been justified as though I have never sinned. God just like wiped everything off as if we haven't done anything. Having said all these things, God now gives us access closer to him because of the blood. The reason why we will not be burned in heaven and just like destroyed is because you and I are clothed in that blood and gives a proximity to God, the closeness to God. That's what Ephesians 2.13 says. Once, once we were far off and have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Luke chapter 22 verses 20 When he made this blood as a covenant, he's actually offering you and me the ability to sit in his table and have a fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Think about it this way. How many times we would get an access to sit with the presidents of this nation or the presidents of other nations. Here God says, I am the king of all the kings, and I'm the lord of all the lords. You don't need to worry about any of them. I have a a, a marriage supper prepared for you, and we are all going to sit in that one table, one long table, where we are all going to be sitting with the king of kings and the lord of lords. And the Bible says in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, that my redemption will will never perish because we are not redeemed with the corruptible things like a silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of the Lamb, without blemish and without spot. Revelations 1, 5 says, Jesus justified you and me on his behalf and we are made clean. Galatians 5, 1 says, I am free. I'm, I'm removed from all the bondages, the yoke of bondages. Hebrews 10, 22 says, 
I am freed from the conscious defiled by guilt. The Bible says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with the pure water. No longer we are condemned, says Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I've been separated from the world and declared holy to God. You and I today live not only, you know, for the king, but we are separated from the world. Why? Because there is a blood that is on the doorpost of your house. I can enter the holy of holies. All the veil has been torn down when Jesus went to the cross. And now we have a direct access to the Holy of Holies. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22 talks about it. That having the boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3, I have a further revelation of who God is. Because of the blood that is now mingled with our blood, now we can understand what the other blood does to this blood that is flowing in our body. When we touch his blood, these days we see this pollens everywhere. And if you touch the pollen and you have an allergy, somehow it gets into your body and you just suffer from the, 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 uh, the whole day because of the allergy that caused because you touched the, 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 the the pollens, or you walked over the pollens and somehow it just found its way into your blood. If the pollens, the bad thing can get into your blood, how much more the unblemished blood can get into your blood and cleanse you and me. The blood that Jesus is talking about in Hebrews chapter 1 verses 3 is talking about like a, we have now and access to a room where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is sitting because his blood is now merged with our blood. It has eternal consequences. The blood of Jesus has an eternal consequences because it, sh it breaks every burden and the shackles that have been tying us has been broken, the lives restored, the healing complete because of what Jesus did and put on the doorpost of your house and my house. And that's why John chapter 1, verses 29 says, He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus' offering on the cross was a permanent fix. What he poured that day underneath the altar that we read from Exodus is an unblemished blood, that blood that is there was spotless and is spotless and will be spotless. Nothing can cause any sin to that blood that has been shed today. You and I have an access to put our hands upon that sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? You and I can touch that sacrifice today and take that blood because you and I are the high priest God has called you and I to be the priests of our homes. God has called us to be the priest for our city and our nation. God has called us to be the high priest for his kingdom. And you and I can touch that blood. You and I can touch that sacrifice any time that we want to. That's what all of these verses, if I can condense every word that I talk about 
There are nearly 30 references in the Bible that's talking about this blood. I picked only a few this morning and talked about it. Now when you hear, I am recommending you this morning, sometime during this week, if you have access to the YouTube, if you can listen to this one song, I want you to close your eyes and listen to this song that says, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There is power in the blood. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There is power in the blood. And Jesus, the night before he was crucified, I was reading about this yesterday, and it was just like a crushing my heart and my soul because even the high priests, if the people outside spat on his face, I would agree, but the high priests were spitting on the face of Jesus. Before he was crucified, he became a curse. A cross is nothing but a curse, and he took it for you and me. And he went to the cross. And today, that blood is still speaking for you and me in the presence of the Holy God. This morning, as we go in, know this for sure, you and I are standing on the outer court. Remember, I told you, to close your eyes to see yourself two, three thousand years back into this outer court. And if you just like open your eyes and you would see nothing but people standing in the lines to offer a sin and a guilt offering, a burnt offering before God, you and I are now standing right there, but we don't need to offer any more of that blood because our lamp is already sacrificed. He was sacrificed 2,000 years ago on that rugged cross. And this morning, my brothers and sisters on this line, I'm encouraging you to touch the blood one more time. Let the blood flow through your blood. Let that blood bring life back into you. Let your spiritual life get vibrant. Let the enemy know that you are set apart. Let that enemy know what's running in your bloodstream has connection with the bloodline of our Savior. Let the enemy know he has no condemnation set before you that can prosper, that schemes of the enemy is destroyed and has no power over you and your children and your children's children and your children's children's children because he paid it all. This morning, we're going to celebrate that. In a few minutes when Miss Sarah comes, we will celebrate that. But know this for sure. You and I have an access to something that sets us apart from the world. Brother Vince. Thank you, Brother Cyril, for the message given from our Lord and Savior. We started with the brazen altar, the altar that you gave us specific instructions thousands of years ago, the kai wood, the kai wood that was used for all the aspects of the temple. And it ended using the same wood as your crown of thorns. How you wrap everything together and how you, how you brought everything together from how we were created. The blood that you created in us as human beings, the nutrients, without that blood, we don't have life. That blood removes infection. That blood provides oxygen. It promotes healthy skin and digests your food. But, but it means nothing without the blood of Jesus. It means nothing. Our bodies don't, would not, we, it, it doesn't mean anything unless we have the blood on the doorposts of our lives, of our homes. 
and it's available to all of us. It gives us access, the power of that blood. I can't even explain how, how, what it should mean to all of us. If you have the blood on your doorposts, you have the protection from the Almighty. Just a few things as we went through every single verse that Cyril mentioned. It paid the debt. It justified us. It redeemed us. It spared us. It spiritually healed us. It made us alive. Gave us cleansing. Gave us power. Gave us victory over guilt and sin and shame. And the blood still speaks today. The blood that was shed on that cross on Calvary still speaks to us today. And it gives us access to the Almighty. It does have eternal consequences. And without that blood, there is no remission of sin. Lastly, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Sarah? Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread, representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup, representing your blood, poured out from a splintered cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spill. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I'm going to pick a verse that was something that we meditated on a few minutes ago. It was from Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 28. This was the time when Jesus was sitting down and uh, having a dinner with uh, his beloved. And this morning, imagine this, that you are actually sitting in that same room as he broke his bread, and he took it, and he gave it to his disciples. He's telling you and me that when you eat this bread, that his body becomes one with our body. And we are transformed into a heavenlies. And that moment of this heavenlies has to be repeated every single day, every single minute, and every single second of our life. That God is saying, this is an assurance. When you eat that bread this morning, this is nothing but the body of Christ that is just getting one with your body. Go ahead and take that bread. As you swallowed that body, now that is made one with God, God is saying, take the cup. And he gave thanks. And he said, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. 
today, before you drink that cup, I want you to lay your hands upon that blood of new covenant. Let that new covenant that God said that we are remembering this morning, sometimes we have lived this life without realizing the power of that blood that was shed on the cross. I don't know about you. I have lived my life without knowing the power of this blood. And this morning, I'm asking forgiveness for taking his blood for granted. I'm asking God to just like, you know, forgive me for taking his blood lightly so long. I'm asking God to today use this moment to sprinkle this blood all over the house. No death, no condemnation, no sin has any place in our house. And that as we drink of it every single time, not just today, for the days and years to come, let that be a reminder that every time this juice goes through the throat of ours is a constant reminder that he is alive and his blood speaks and he wins over every battle and that there is no schemes of enemy can prosper and you and I have an authority to break the bondages of sin from our life. Let's drink this drink. The conference has been unmuted. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for the redemption, Father God. Thank you, God, for making us one with you, Father God. Hallelujah, Father God. You are the King and the Lord of Lords, Father God, this blood. Hallelujah for making it flow to us right now, Father God. The righteousness of God is now flowing through you and me. And the God of this universe says like when you touch something, then the kingdom's righteousness will flow through your hands into the things that you touch. Hallelujah. Go ahead and bless your children. And bless your children's children, because what you are doing right now is a generational curse being removed. When you speak right now the blessing upon your children, it's going to flow through for 16 generations from here. As you bless your family and your children's children, This is not just going to end here. It's going to change this house. This is going to change your city. It's going to change this nation. The Benayas of the world is going to come out of your family. And the Daniels are going to come. The Shatrach, Meshach, Abednego are going to come. The, the, The Esthers of the world is going to come from your generation and my generation. The God of this universe is going to be glorified through our children and our children's children this morning. Father God, we lift you up in this place, Father God, as we bless our generation. The generational curse is stopped. Thank you, Lord. The condemnation stops here, Father God. We take the authority of this blood and sprinkle it over our generation, Father God. God, the the lives being restored, Father God, the families being restored, Father God, that we are being restored with you, Father God, this morning. Yes, yes. Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father God, help us to walk in the spirit, Father God, that no weapon that formed against can prosper. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, No condemnation that can ever go past this moment in our life, Father God. It is done. 
It is going to be done and stopped in this place as we walk away. We don't need to carry that anymore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. The burdens of sin, we wanted to leave it right now, Father God. Yes, Lord. The remissions of this sin was already paid, Father God. We take yes. it right now and receive it. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We receive it, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.